Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and uh, with me, Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. As always, thank you for having me. You are welcome. So we are uh, doing our uh, weekly, I guess bi-weekly, because we, we split this thing up. So our bi-weekly uh, faux argument uh, is is this one. And uh, But before we do that, there, there are actually two points we want to uh, get across. Uh, one, obviously, the New York Minute, which will come up uh, here shortly. But I, I wanted to mention this to you, and I'm sort of pulling this on you because you didn't, you didn't expect this. But um, you remember when we were talking during our – 100% accurate baseball prediction draft. Yeah. And I told you before that I was like looking through the rosters and all that before. And the thing that stunned me, just stunned me uh, as I looked through the rosters is how bad the angels are, just how yeah. horrendous they are. They're now that bad. And and I want to ask you this question because it, because it, it was, it really was jolting because, look, they've got the best player in baseball, always, the guy who's always the best player in baseball, and Mike Trout. And then they've got, like, some good players that, you know, I mean, Pujols is whatever, but he hit 40 homers last year, and Cole Calhoun's a good player. I mean, they've got some good players, but that team is terrible, and you could see it. And now I'm really thinking I am feeling really, really bad for Mike Trout. Like, like, real, like I want to get, like, a free Mike Trout t-shirt or something. I... I <laughs> I'm beginning to get the really, really sad vibe about his career. It's like he's been the best player in baseball. He's always it, – it doesn't – people come along and they're like, oh, this guy's the new best player, and the guy's never as good as Mike Trout. He's he's always the best player. He's the best player again this year. And he can't win the MVP because they always give it to some guy who's not as good as him. And then And then now he's playing on a team that not only is terrible but – there's no hope for that organization like for a long time. And yeah. I don't know if they're going to trade him. I mean, I don't even know how any of that would work. Um, but aren't, don't you feel at this point like that? That could be a very, very sad career, which is just not cool at all. Yeah, it's he's aiming for the uh, Ernie Banks career. Yeah. Now, right. It's like the I mean, you know, what's crazy this year is. I was I end up watching a lot of Angels games because I live in LA and I don't have Time Warner cable and you can't watch the Dodgers <laughs> if you don't have Time Warner cable, which is one of the craziest things about this crazy city. Craziest. Thing. My son has become a Dodger fan and it's infuriating to him because he can, can never watch the team. That's a side note. But I've watched a lot of Angels games and Mike Trout has been walking a lot. Yeah. And I looked it up recently and he's I think he's like fifth or sixth in baseball in walks. And he's only like, let's see, he's like four walks out of third place. And the guys who are walking more than he is are the guys you would expect. It's Bryce Harper, right. uh, Joey Votto, Josh Donaldson. They're guys who play on like, you know, good offenses. Mike Trout is walking because no one else on the team can hit. <laughs> and it's, it's like a bummer. You know? It is a bummer. Watching him play, it feels like he's just out. You know, remember at the end of uh, – uh, at the end of Eight Men Out, when Shoeless Joe Jackson is playing in like a weird, yeah. um, you know, a, like a you know semi pro league or somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and he's still Shoeless Joe, but and he's just like he, you know hit ripping doubles and triples everywhere, but no one's in the stands, and it's like that's how it feels. Like it feels like Mike Trout is just doing these amazing things in front of no one for no one and for no reason. For no reason, I and you know, and look, the Angels. Uh, if you're out of out of L.A. Obviously, you got the West Coast thing for, for, for the rest of the country. Nobody cares about the Angels anyway. 
So, no. so honestly, it's like everybody, like it, it's, it's like the old days in some ways where, you know, if you were an American league fan, all you cared about was the American league and national league fan. And you only cared about the national league. And it's not like that as much anymore. It's really not like that at all anymore. Um, because everything is so available on interleague play and all that sort of thing, but it's like that. And then you would, you watch the all-star game and you'd go, Oh man, that, that guy's really good. I've never seen that guy play, but that guy's really, really good. He's like that. Like you forget, like he'll come to the All-Star game and you're like, oh, there's Mike Trout. I mean, he must be having a good year. And then you look and the guy's hitting 323, 422, 574. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's 11 of 12 stolen base attempts. He's got 17 homers, 53 uh, RBIs, 56 runs scored. Uh, he's playing fantastic defense. He's the best player in baseball again. And he was last year, and he was the year before, and he was the year before, and he was the year before, and nobody cares. And it seems like such a waste, you know. It's like it's you know in the in when I was growing up, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers were so bad and and were so stupid that at some point the league just said you're you're not allowed to make trades anymore. We're just we're unless they're approved by the league office because they kept trading away first round picks. Uh, for nothing, and those first round picks always ended up being like the number one over. Like that's how the like that's how the Lakers got James Worthy because the Cavaliers just were like, oh, okay, here, take a first round pick from us. And uh, it's like baseball should step in at this point. It's like baseball should step in and go, you know, you guys kind of had a responsibility. I mean, you're spending a lot of money. Kind of had a responsibility to build a team around Mike Trout so that everybody could enjoy this once in a generation player. And you're not living up to it. So. You, you, we, we're taking them away from you. We're just taking them away. When the history books are written, have there will there ever have been a worse back to back double move? <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna talk about player contracts today in sports. But has there ever will there ever have been or will there ever be a worse one two punch for any team's roster than Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton? Yeah. The amount of money that they gave 31-year-old or whatever he was, probably 38-year-old Albert Pujols at the time, and Josh Hamilton, I mean, it's hundreds of millions of dollars, and it just utterly crippled their team. They yeah. just they can't pay for anyone because they're carrying 40-whatever-million-dollars worth of dead money for two below. I mean, Hamilton hasn't even played this year, but he's, you know, he's played like 140 games in the last two seasons at a replacement-level you know, average. And they just that's that that was it. Like that was the end of Mike Trout's ability to play on a competitive roster, just losing that money to those two guys for as long as they've lost that they're gonna lose that money. They're paying pool balls for another five years or whatever. Oh yeah. I mean he, he goes on forever. And I when that trade when they made that deal, I mean it was obviously at the time people kind of thought a lot of people did. You know, they just bought the pennant because, you know, they bought their three, four hitters. And, yeah. um, I mean, everybody was just so fired up. And I wrote at the time, and I, I'm so rarely right. I get to I get to <laughs> brag about this. I wrote at the time that I would rather have, who would you rather have, money regardless, those two guys who were the best player in baseball at the time in pools and, and you know, a, a lot of people felt like when healthy, uh, as good as anybody, uh, Josh Hamilton, uh, or would you rather have the two Royals guys, uh, Salvador Perez or Eric Hosmer, who had not done anything up to that point? Right. I think one was a rookie. Uh, Hosmer, I think, had had a year under his belt. And I said, who would you rather have? And I wrote this piece, and, it, and I just used those two guys. Turned out those two guys ended up being superstars. But I just used those two guys because it's like you always want the young guy. Always. There, there's, yeah. there is no exception to that rule that you would take an old guy 
uh, with with you know with a great history over a young guy with talent. You always want the young guy. Yeah, it's just it's it especially in this sport. I feel like you know Bryce Harper is going to hit free agency when he's twenty six or whatever. There's a couple other guys who are going to hit it when they're young, but between Pujols and Ellsbury, who, who was thirty and or twenty nine, and Carl Crawford, and Carl Crawford, like I feel like. I feel like that era may be over. That may have been a crazy bubble when no one is going to give these guys these eight, ten-year deals anymore because they too many of them have backfired. Like yeah. for every one that works, I can't think know, of one that worked. Well, Manny Ramirez kind of worked for the Red Sox. It's yeah. a long time ago, but they got him in free agency. He was pretty young, but it was an eight-year deal with uh, you know two options at the end, and he. He, you know, played well. He yes, played up yes. to that contract for at least six or seven of those years. Which is as much as you can expect. As much as you could have ever expected, yeah. yeah. But for every guy like that that you can dig out of history, there are so many that are 30, 31, and fall off a cliff not when they're 37, but when they're 32 or 33. Like, they just can't justify that money anymore. I know. I know. That was the amazing thing about Pools, Ryan Howard, uh, several other guys they started to stink really at the start of the contract, like the, like immediately. So yeah. you, you didn't even get like the, you would, you would hope even if you are, even if you're sort of, you know, aware of the deals and, and understand that these guys are not going to be worth their money at the end, you want three great years out of them, right? I mean, at least if you're giving a guy eight year deal, like, okay, look, if we get three superstar years and that's really, I mean, the Red Sox definitely got that out of Manny. You want to get, three MVP type seasons out of pools. And then he starts going in the tank. Then you go, okay, look, that was the deal. We knew what we were doing. We knew we were paying the guy till he was 42 uh, at least. And, and so we knew that but they didn't get any deal. They didn't get a single good year out of pool. So now the guy can't even play first base. And I yeah. mean, it's, it's, oh man. All right. Well, hopefully at some point, uh, life will clear up for, for Mike Trout. Not that Mike Trout is an unhappy person. I mean, he's, Best player in baseball getting paid a fortune to play in California. I mean, it's, it's certainly certainly worse things to, to have happened, but yeah. I do feel like we are missing out because I, he is a he is a once in a generation player. We're seeing you, you look at at uh, at Bryce Harper, who I think is incredible, an incredible player, but he's struggling. Mike Trout yeah. never struggles. He never ever struggles. He's always no, great. He's, it, he's literally Willie Mays, yeah. and it it seems sacrilegious to say that, but. He plays the same position as Willie Mays. He hits like Willie Mays. He feels like Willie Mays. He's Willie Mays, and no one cares. No one cares. <laughs> and every year he gets passed over for the MVP except for one year or whatever. But every year it's someone else. It's someone else. It's someone else. And you're right. He is. He should. He's. If Har maybe Harper was better than he was last year, you could argue that. Sure. Certainly. But generally speaking, he's the best player in baseball, playing arguably the most difficult position, playing it incredibly well hitting like a maniac, robbing home runs, and no one cares. It's really a bummer. It's, a, it's one of the biggest bummers in baseball right it now. It really is. It really is. All right, let's take our New York Minute. Uh, our delightful um, uh, producer, Tess uh, Quinlan, who you haven't met yet. You'll, you'll, you'll love Tess. Um, Tess plays a little uh, Yankee music here, so I'm, I'm going to let her play that. By the way, which the music sounds a lot like sort of like the NBC News theme, which I kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I, I like it. There's like a news theme feel to it. Um, well, 
it's music that's that's music that's often followed by terrible news. Exactly. So that's that's exactly thing, yeah. right. And we have terrible news on the Yankees. The Yankees are still horrendous. They're absolutely horrendous. Uh, they are now at this moment that we are talking. They are thirty-eight and thirty-nine. They they should be like five and a thousand. They're they're absolutely terrible, terrible. Mm-hmm. They have the worst hitting team in baseball. Well, in the American League, I don't. Know, it's always tough to compare leagues. Yeah, but they're fifteenth in OPS. I mean, they're just they're the they're the worst hitting team in the American League by far. And the only reason they're not even worse is because Carlos Beltran, who is how old? Uh, he's currently, as of today, what is today, June 30th. Yeah. So he hasn't had his birthday yet, so he's still 74 years 74 old. 74 years old. And, and by the way, and, and playing like Willie Mays, uh, other, other than Carlos Beltran and Brian McCann, I had the stat that, that the only average hitter by OPS uh, on the entire team was Carlos Beltran. But somehow Brian McCann, who's hitting two twenty nine. Uh, has managed to because he walks a little bit and and has hit some home runs. He's actually his OPS plus is over the average 100 lines. So they have two guys now, but that, but yeah. it, it doesn't matter. That team is horrible. That team, other than the three relievers, uh, can't pitch at all. And and now Sabathia is like coming back to reality, which you know was inevitable. Uh, and they are still one game under 500. And and always seeming to be a threat to reel off seven in a row and, and like get back in this thing. How is it happening? Well, the reason that uh, McCann is now over the average OPS is because last night he hit a home run uh, with his team down by five and then hit a three-run homer in the ninth <laughs> inning to tie the game, which was then followed by a two-run homer by Didi Gregorius, who's not a real person. Not He's a real a person. person. Uh, and they scored six runs in the ninth and beat the best team in maybe in all of baseball, the Texas Rangers. So that's why. <laughs> if you're looking for a reason why Brian McCann is now over 100 OPS plus, it's because last night he did that. By the way, he tweaked his hamstring running around the bases after his first home run. And instead of coming out of the game, he decided I'm going to stick around and then hit a game-tying three-run homer in the ninth <laughs> when his team's win expectancy was under 2%. I don't understand this. Someone... Someone needs to stop it. Like we're it's it's not funny anymore. No, it's not funny. Like it's not funny. They were within a game of five hundred, and yeah, obviously there's a lot of teams that are better than them, and no one's betting on them long term. But it is not funny. They should be fifteen games under five hundred and selling every usable spare part on their team to someone else. And as long as they don't do that, I am convinced they're going to eke into the second wild card and go on a crazy run and win the World Series. I know that's irrational. That's how I feel. I just don't. I just don't get it. I, I mean, I want to put like some some scientist on it because it it, it it's absolutely illogical. Uh, by the way, there was a story I was reading um, in in I, I don't even know where it was online, but it was a story about top Yankee prospect Aaron Judge. Yeah, Aaron. Ju- there's no there's no such person. What about Rob Ref Snyder? <laughs> Isn't he their top prospects? He is one of their top, and that's not a real person either. So they're just continuing to bring up fake people yeah. and continuing to stay, uh, you know, just close enough to, although I, I will say uh, I did find it amusing when, when Yankee czar Randy Levine or whatever his title is with the Yankees uh, started like mouthing off to the media about how they know what they're doing and media should shut up because they, they have no idea what's going on and they'll let you know when they're going to sell that, that just, that just made it so much worse. I just, I really want that team to lose 15 in a row. Yes. They should, 
And and that would that would, then the like the media could go back to Randy Levine and say, okay, how about now? Like is this now <laughs> now a good time to sell? Um, I, I'm Yankee minute depressing this week. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah, terrible. All right, so let's, terrible. All right, let's go to the faux argument. So we've got. Uh, I think we'll be set up timer for ten minutes because you know we we. We have made a promise to keep this thing under 30 minutes. So, All right, it's off and running. Uh, 10 minutes and running. So um, I'm actually going to let you lead in. This is sort of your idea for for, uh, for our faux argument this week. Our faux argument this week is about NFL contracts, and I'll let you explain. Well, the Andrew Lux contract finally came out. Uh, if you'll remember, the Colts owner, Jim Ursay, had said a year ago or more even that when we, they did sign the extension, it was going to be like – the term he used was like an outrageous number or something outrageous, like that. Outrageous, yes. Yeah, which is like why I don't know why how that's a good negotiating tactic. First of all, but so the number came out and they were it was reported as a as a five year hundred and forty million dollar deal, right? And so you say, wow, that's a, that's incredible. That's a lot of money. But like all NFL contracts, you then look at it and what it really is. And the amount of guaranteed money is actually $87 million. And as we all know, no football player ever plays out his whole contract. It's constantly being renegotiated. And this is because NFL contracts, unlike those in Major League Baseball or the NBA, are not guaranteed. So here is some facts for you uh, about Andrew Luck's actual contract. If he were in Major League Baseball, Andrew Luck's contract would make him the 51st highest paid guy Above Adam Jones and below Hanley Ramirez. Well, you got to give Hanley the money. Sure. It's a five-year deal for $87 million guarantee, basically, which means on average he earns every year about roughly what Chris Weber made in the year 2004-2005. Here are some players whose deals are bigger than Andrew Lux, more guaranteed money than Andrew Lux. Ready? Yes. Hunter Pence. Pablo Sandoval. Sure. Jared Weaver. Homer Bailey. Homer uh, Bailey? Homer Bailey. Ryan Howard, of course. Josh no, Hamilton, of course. I'm going back to Homer Bailey. Wait, Homer wait, Bailey. Really? Sorry. Yep. Justin Upton. Here's something for you. Mark Teixeira's deal that he signed, whatever it was, six years ago, is more than twice the guaranteed money of Andrew Luck's deal. Um, his deal is roughly equivalent to Annabelle Sanchez's deal, which is five years, $80 million, And Jared Weaver's deal that he signed in 2012 was 585, which is almost identical to what Andrew Luck's deal is. Garrett Anderson, I looked this up, Garrett Anderson made $12.6 million, so not that much less, in the year 2008 when he was 36. <laughs> and the point is, and I say this all the time to anyone who will listen, which is usually no one, I do not understand why the NFL Players Association doesn't wait until three weeks before kickoff all get up at noon on a Thursday out of their meetings, walk out the door, go home, and have their player up say, you need to literally double the salary cap yeah. and double our pension contributions and double our health care contributions and double everything or we don't play. And the reason for this is simple. The revenue in football is enormous. enormous. It goes up a massive amount every year. The TV deals are outrageous. The Super Bowl is every year sets a record for the most watched thing that anyone's ever watched in America. They have all of the leverage. And I believe, and I don't know what you think, I believe the reason they don't is actually fairly simple, which is it's like a catch-22 of sorts. 
the average career is so short right. that the idea of missing a big chunk of it, if you're 28 and you just finished your year 28 season and you're a running back, you can't miss your year 29 season because that might be it. So the idea of like sitting out a full year and trying to actually bring the owners to heel as they should, given the revenue of the sport, how dangerous it is, the toll it takes on their bodies, all of that stuff, that no one wants to sit out for a full year because they, that might be their last year or it's one of their three last years. But it's really what they should do because there is no reason on earth that Homer Bailey's guaranteed money should be far north, by the way, of what Andrew Luck's guaranteed money is when Andrew Luck is a once-in-a-generation quarterback who is entering his prime at this moment. I think it's a crazy abomination. It's one of the worst things about the sport of football, which is saying a lot, is how underpaid, comparatively speaking, the labor force is compared to the owners. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there, there are a few things that, that I'm going to take from this. Uh, one is, and I, I'm sorry, I can't let this go because everybody else you had said in that list as, as, you know, horrifying as saying Ryan Howard or Justin Upton or, or, or even Pablo Sandoval, those guys all had really good years at some point. So when you said Homer Bailey, I, I was like, I had to go look him up. I'm like, wait a minute. Homer Bailey never had like a great year that, that he would have gotten that contract. No. Um, so I went back and looked and he, no, he had not. He, he never did have that great year. <laughs> six, uh, but, uh, six years, $105 million all guaranteed that has a mutual option for a seventh year. That's the deal well, for Homer Bailey. And the, the, the big money starts in 2016. So that was really smart because as you might know, Homer Bailey hasn't pitched a, a single pitch this year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's baffling. I think your point is, is, dead on as far as why it's so much harder for the players union in the NFL to succeed. Uh, we saw it in 87, but it's much, much worse now because players are much, much more aware of the shortness of their careers. They're, they're so aware that pl the teams will be ruthless. They're just ruthless, you know, then, and they, they will ask you to take so much less money or they will cut you. Um, at, you know, even if they think you're a useful player because they, you know, obviously are trying to play the salary cap, but also because they, they, they just feel like players are, you know, disposable. I mean, they really do. That's really what the NFL is. And I think the fans, a lot of fans feel that same way. Players are kind of disposable. There are a few players out there that, that are not Andrew Luck being one of those players. But, but I think generally speaking, it's awfully tough to get, Andrew Luck and Tom Brady and, and, and all of the very big names to go along with all of the people who realize, Hey, I'm only going to be in the league for a year or two years. And, and I, I can't miss that time. And especially when you're facing owners that honestly, I mean, look how ruthless they are. I mean, they, they were trying to a couple of years ago to cut the salaries even more and add games. And, and, you know, this is, it's, it's tough. It really is tough, but I saw the Andrew Luck deal and I I couldn't make any sense of it all. It's like all deals because we get a number reported, yeah, like five years, one hundred forty million dollars, and that number is like they might as well just say five years, seven billion dollars, yeah, because it it's meaningless. It's utterly meaningless. Yeah, it's completely meaningless, and you have to really dig in and try to figure out what what's the signing bonus, what's the cap number, what's the guarantee. 
At the end of the day, if Andrew Luck blows out his knee tomorrow, a thing I certainly don't hope happens because he's a wonderful player and I want to watch him play. But if he does, they pay him the signing bonus and they buy him out of his guarantee, whatever it is. He's gone. He's just yeah. gone. Like he'll get a lot of money. Obviously, once you a deal that's eighty-seven million guarantee, that's obviously that's an enormous amount of money by anyone's standards. But when you compare football players to the players in every other sport, you know Homer Bailey, like Josh Hamilton, these guys haven't played at all this year. They're getting paychecks every week. Bobby Bonilla is going to make a million dollars from the Mets for like the next twenty years or whatever it is because they deferred all his money. These guys are paid their money forever and the sport still thrives that's the thing that's if i were a football player i would say none of your arguments make any sense regarding the health of the sport or whatever you know faux reason the owners have for not paying them more money baseball the, the sport couldn't be thriving more in baseball right now it's doing great basketball's doing great these sports are doing great and they you know the basketball salary cap is about to explode that's great. That's important and good yes. for the players. And guess what? It's going to be fine. No, nothing bad <laughs> is going to happen to the owners. And the, you know, the we're at the point now. I believe a couple of years ago, Forbes released that study they do every year about the value of football franchises and professional sports franchises. The lowest, the the least worthy uh, football franchise was the Jaguars, which was worth like eight hundred million dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's over a billion. Yeah. And now we're at the point where every one of those owners has an asset worth north of a billion dollars. And the the fact that they cheap out on the contracts of the people who play for their teams is so outrageous to me. I just I can't believe that we've gotten this far with guaranteed contracts in pretty much every other major sport and no guaranteed contracts in football. I mean, the salary cap whatever it is, 160 million or whatever, it should be twice that. And these guys, the stars should be paid twice as much. And the 53rd guy on the roster should be paid twice as much. They should all be paid twice as much as they are because their careers are over. Most of them when they're 30 years old and they're in physical pain all the time and they're sacrificing everything to, to play this game and enriching the owners. And it's just, it's nonsense to me. I just don't understand why they don't stand up and walk out. Well, I, I do understand why they don't walk out. I really do. But it's so maddening uh, to, to see it happen. And your point is right. They, they get it both ways. They're not paying them as much money as these other players are making in other leagues, the stars certainly. But even the average players are not making as much money as players in other leagues. And they're also they're also not getting guaranteed. So they're getting it on both ways. So if they doubled the salary cap, and said, okay, but we're still keeping this guarantee thing the way it is. All right, well, then at least you get it. So, okay, hey, I'm, I, I, the guarantees are, are not there, and that's terrible, and I'm totally opposed to that. But we're making up for that because we're paying you twice as much money or whatever. Right. But they're not doing that. They're not doing any of the things. And it really comes to this new this one point I want to make, and I know we're running out of time. But this one point I want to make is I used to be one of those fans, like I think many fans are, that would see the story about a player uh, taking less for the team. Oh, this player took less because he wants to be part of a champion. This player took less. And I used to think that's nice. You know, there there's an unselfish player. They're still making a ton of money. That's an unselfish. And this is any sport, not just football. Any sport, I would see, oh, a player's taking less to stay home. A player's taking less to, to, you know, to be on the same team his whole career. And I always thought that's nice. That's really nice. I'm at a point in my life now, I'm completely the opposite. I, I think those people 
I can't stand that they do that. I cannot stand that players do that to themselves. They don't they don't deserve that. Nobody else takes less. Yeah. Nobody across the board ever takes less. I've never heard one owner say they would take less. Uh, they never lower prices to take less. They never do anything to take less, but they always put the pressure on those players. Oh, you know what? If we we love player X and he's you know, a hometown guy and he's been here for five years and the fans love him. He ought to take a hometown discount. Why? Why should that person give a hometown discount to anybody? And that's it, what, what bothers me is that it's so one-sided. And that's what you see in the NFL. The players take the brunt of all of this and there's nothing, you know, the owners just don't take any of that. And it's, it's, it really is maddening. Yeah. Um, we're out of time. Can I give you a quick update on something we talked about earlier? Yes. The Rangers and Yankees played a day game today in Yankee Stadium. The game has ended as we've been talking. Here's okay. what happened. Shinsu Chu homered to lead off the game for Texas. First back sure. game, home run. That is the only run the Rangers scored. Oh. In the bottom of the fifth inning, of course, Didi Gregorius had a home run to right field <laughs> to tie the game. You can't expect anything less. No. No one scored until the bottom of the ninth, Joe. And yeah. here's how it happened. Chase Headley let off the inning and walked. Right. Didi Gregorius sack bunted him to second. <laughs> Aaron Hicks walked. So first and second one out. Starling. You, by the way, the names you are saying, these are real Yankees. These are, actually, these are people yeah. on the New York Yankees. Starlin Castro grounded up to first, moving Chase Headley to third and Hicks to second. And then Headley scored on a passed ball. <laughs> They scored the winning run in the ninth inning without a hit. How is this happening? I don't understand it. That moves them to 500, yes, I believe. 500, they are 39 and 39. They just took two out of three from the Rangers, the best team in the American League and maybe all of baseball, by scoring six runs in the ninth inning to come back from seven to three down, and then by winning on a passed ball without a hit in the ninth inning. Uh, I would ask Tess to play that horrible music again if you could, because I don't, I don't get it. I, I mean, I really don't get it. And and honestly, it does not seem like it's going to stop. And the one thing that they have, we talked about this from the very start. They've got those three relief pitchers who strike out half the guys they face and never give up anything, basically. And and they pitch them every game, whether they're winning or losing. It doesn't matter because they they can't. They don't have a starter that can go seven innings. Um, you know, so, so they, that's not enough. That's oh. not enough to win. But it is. They had today in today's game, they had five hits. They were over five with runners in scoring position and they won. Who pitched for them today? Pineda. And he's through six innings and struck out 12 guys. So the good Pineda showed up. Pineda has a ERA North of five on the year, by the way. Yeah. But somehow today he struck out 12 of the best – 12 guys on the be one of the best lineups in baseball. And then Batanzas, Miller, and Chapman pitched three innings and struck out four guys and the game was over. <laughs> All right. We leave, we leave on this depressing note. The, the Yankees, uh, you know, maybe next Yankee minute will be more, you know. No. No. Next Yankee minute is going to be like, hey, they're two games out of the wild card spot. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, Michael, thanks again. Thank you for having me. 